And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Four at stake in this game for Atlanta. A win would give them their first NFC West since 1980. The Cowboys just trying to keep on winning. Let's see what happened in a wild game. Tim McKire and Deion Sanders, the outstanding corners of the Falcons. But they had their hands full of guys like Michael Irvin. It beats McKire. It's got case. He got go all the way. 58 yards. Very quickly, 7-0 Dallas. So, Alexander Wright, once timed it under 4-2 in the 40-yard dash, returns the kick. He's going to run it out of his own end zone. What is he, nuts? No, he's not nuts. He's fast. And he's gone. He could go all the way. 102 yards for the touchdown. Longest return this year in the NFL. 21-14 at the end of the first. Now it's 24-17 Dallas in the second half. Deion Sanders, remember preseason he played offense? Look again. It's an almost touchdown to prime time. Switching sides in the fourth quarter and watch Emmett. Yeah, and look at the blocking up front by that offensive line. Much improved. Yes, sir. 31 to 27. The Cowboys at front. Emmett Smith. Oh, yeah. He's in the rushing race. I guess so. 160 yards on 32 carries. You've seen the two touchdowns. Last play. Miller to Deion. Brown breaks it up. Sanders wants the flag. Jimmy Johnson gets the win. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Okay, Cowboys coming off a loss. We got the Atlanta Falcons coming into Dallas for another nooner. Will Tyron Smith play? Got some special teams drama as well. We'll talk about it all on this episode of About Them Cowboys. Welcome in. I'm Kent. And welcoming back to the show, friend of the show. You know her from her DallasCowboys.com work. I know her from being a great friend. She's Kelsey Charles. Welcome back, Kelsey. (laughs) Friend of the show. I love that I have an official title now and I am here for it, you guys. Do I get like some kind of like, you know, swag or like benefits for having, you know, said title behind my name when I get this introduction? Or do I get, do I, can I get a drop or something? Like, can we bring the high back? Feels like we, I honestly, I to be honest with you, I did. I, I searched my email for it because I don't <laughs> have it. I would, I would have to go on some drive at, uh, at the Star Valley Ranch to find it, but. I did look for the high drop for you. Yes. Uh, um, it's yeah. great to have you back. And we'll we'll get all your thoughts on uh, the Cowboys. And, of course, get updates on what you're up to with yeah. uh, DallasCowboys.com. But time to welcome in the Bass Brothers of all things Dallas Cowboys podcasting. It's Kevin KT Turner from Sports and Such and the Eagle. And, of course, Father John Mishota. Take it away, KT. Oh, thank you so much, Kent. I really appreciate it. Kelsey, good to see you again. And John, a big week at the Stars. We got a, a little bit of a COVID breakout happening, following uh, following what I'm calling last week was Rusty Week. Um, rusty Week is over. It's now time for a clean week. Um, and then we got a little COVID action with the kicker. What's going on here, John? That's not. Don't be alarming people it's not a COVID outbreak it's one person it's greg zerline <laughs> so they kept the reason why you're probably saying that is because they kept 
some of the other specialists out of practice day, just out of an abundance of caution. It's not because of, um, it's not because that they have COVID or they were even close contacts. Uh, you know, so they kept out Brian Anger and uh, Jake McQuaid, the long snapper. And so, and so they're not, they're not expected to miss the game. Zerline is probably missing the game. It's a very small percentage chance that he does. So they went out and worked out Brett Maher and Liram Halajara. Good luck. And, uh, <laughs> And so it looks like old Liram is going to be the uh, kicker for this game. So um, as much as this might annoy people because it didn't work out well Sunday against the Broncos, uh, I envision that this is going to be another game just like that, where you're going to see them going for a lot of fourth downs. They're not going to be playing for field goals. Uh, I think they're going to try and put up like 35, 40 points uh, and do it on Dak's arm and take advantage of what is a weak uh, Falcons pass game and, they should be very motivated. It, uh, to be honest with you, this game shouldn't come down to field goals anyway. Wait, so this guy's never kicked in the NFL? Uh, I believe that is correct, Kent. It says he's. Wow. It says he's thirty-one years old, so he's not, not not fresh out of college or anything. No, 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 no. He kicked. Uh, he has. I mean, he has kicking. He's been kicking since. He just hasn't been doing it in in the NFL. You know. So down at the YMCA or what? Like, I mean, <laughs> no, I'm serious, so, like CFL or. Concerned. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this guy's yeah, kicking yeah. for us. <laughs> no, no, it's CFL. Okay. You know, gotcha. Winnipeg, Toronto. I'm like a pro football reference. He has zero stats on there at all. So I didn't know if, uh, yeah. Kent, relax. He was a great cup champion in 2017. <laughs> okay. So was Listen. Lucky Whitehead, I believe. Oh, we had to bring Lucky's Whitehead. And I'm honestly, guys, can I be for real with you for a minute? I'm just shout out Lucky Whitehead. Yeah, shout out to him and his dog. We won't even go yeah. to that Um but what was the DJ's name? I forgot. Shout out DJ, whatever. We don't know. But really I'll find out. when I saw Brett Maher's name come across <laughs> my timeline, I was triggered. And yeah. I think is anyone that follows me on social media knows that I have a bit of a problem with all caps. But especially when it comes to special teams and especially when it comes to Brett Maher, I may or may not have put myself in Twitter timeout um, when he did not perform accordingly a couple years ago. So I was very glad for the sake of my sanity that he is uh, not going to be a part of the picture come this weekend. And this is no offense to Brett, but like mainly selfish reasons for me. Fair. You talking about Bugatti Casino, Kent? Was that who you Bugatti you Casino? That's the obviously. one. <laughs> how did we remember that? I mean, of how course. That? I mean, obviously, yeah. Of course. How could I? I'm mad at myself. Bugatti yeah, Casino. Losing, a younger me wouldn't have not known that. Um, so I, I got to feel like John. They have you noticed any like? I know it's hard because it's you know, it's obviously middle of the week too. It, does it feel like it's a team that's refocused? Maybe or is there anything different? Or is this just like? Yeah, it's a business. Sometimes you have a bad week. No, I think these guys are pretty embarrassed. I don't know, just going off today's interviews and that, it seems like they're pretty embarrassed with what they put out there. Um, you know, I mean, there was talk the past couple of weeks about not great practices. Not that I'm a huge believer in whether that matters or not. Um, but that obviously isn't a good sign. You want to have good practices. And so, I mean, J. Ron Kerr said that he thought that they were back to, uh, you know, practicing the right way today. Uh, but just in the way he was talking and Micah Parsons and Zeke and CD, like yeah, they seem like they were pretty, pretty embarrassed by what they put out there. And so uh, it's one thing for Mike 
to be putting it, putting together videos of, you know, don't eat the cheese stuff. Like he did up apparently on Saturday for the team. Uh, obviously that didn't work. Um, I think putting, <laughs> putting out an effort like that will be the thing that motivates you more than anything else, you know? So that, that'll be, uh, the most interesting thing to see. Like, you know, I, you can have a game like this as long as you bounce back and this was an outlier, but if all of a sudden you play the same way against the Falcons where you're kind of letting them hang in there and obviously they have a much better quarterback, uh, than Denver did, then that's, that's really concerning. That's, that's something that, that shouldn't happen because everything looked like this was trending in the right direction. And so there's no reason to have a setback here. So this is, this is a good opponent to be playing. Like I said, I expect a, a really pissed off Dak Prescott to be trying to put up four or five touchdowns in this game. And this is the defense to do it against. And then on the other side of it, you know, if anybody knows Matt Ryan, it's going to be Dan Quinn. So I would expect a game plan that's going to make it pretty difficult on Matt Ryan. So there, there's just really not an excuse to lose this game. There, there, there really isn't. Not that there was an excuse last week too. I guess I, I kind of want to ask you a question about that though, because that was one of the things I think we all can agree that last week was shocking, right? It, it was for, for what this, this Cowboys team has put on the field thus far during the season. It, you would never have expected a performance like that. And I get it. Like all teams have fluke games. And that was obviously one, at least we hope so. Right. As if you're a Cowboys fan, but I guess, you know, McCarthy talked about how this is a, a copycat league. And with, I, do you, do you worry at all that, other teams will see what worked against the Cowboys this past weekend and just try to repeat that. And do you feel like this Cowboys team is actually going to be prepared to face that similar style of attack when it comes to, you know, upcoming games this season? Yeah, no. And it was a great game plan, especially for a uh, Dak Prescott who hadn't played in two weeks. So right. to sit there and, and make him beat deep, you know, single man coverage is which is what they were going to have to do for him to be a little off on his deep ball you know, that was going to be tough on them. They were going to have to hit some of those shots and and they obviously weren't hitting those. But the other thing is too, is that you have to have the right personnel for this because I feel like just, I don't know, I think it was the week before, like people talk like, you know, Dennis Allen and the Saints have that recipe for the Bucks. And last I checked, they won the Super Bowl last year. Like nobody was studying what the Bucks did against Tom Brady and Tampa, but it's another <laughs> to actually have the personnel that matches up and, not that I think Denver has great personnel because they really don't. They have they have a, a few really good players, but I think it was more that they were very motivated by that game because they were kind of being slept on. Like, oh, you know, this team, oh, they can't hang with us. I mean, we're going to, as KT said, play with our food for a little bit, and this game's yes. going to get blown out, but that just never happened. So, I mean, yeah, it's a blueprint, and other, other teams will try and follow it, but to say that they're going to be able to execute it as well. I mean, I just felt like everything went right for Denver in that game. So uh, there's no there's no question that the Cowboys are preparing for other teams to play this way going forward. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because when you look at Atlanta, I see almost a similar, not in the way they play or anything like that, but in terms of where they are as a franchise, they kind of feel very similar to Denver, even though Matt Ryan, as you said, more established than Teddy and all that type of stuff. But it feels like very middle-of-the-road teams, teams that don't look like playoff teams, but they were one enough games to be picking in 13th or 14th in the draft and things like that. And it just does feel like it is ripe for a situation, another noon home game. It is ripe for a situation to kind of, if you're not ready to play, get beat. And I feel like Atlanta's a little more dangerous than Denver is because of what you said. The quarterback, you know, Denver's got a better, better defense and things like that. But, you know, if you're not – not careful. There's they have big play guys in Patterson, and obviously we've seen Kyle Pitts. 
you're dodging a bullet with Calvin Ridley being out. But this does feel like a game where if you mess around, it's 13, nothing. It could get nasty again. Okay. Yeah. So, but well, go on. Oh no. I, but I think you're totally right with that. If you think about it, like everyone's hyping up this defense, myself included, but again, like the bar was on the floor as compared to last year, it's not difficult to be better than what they put on the field in 2020. And granted, they've been significantly better, but per your point, KT, like they have weapons and this defense still struggles while they have been really, really aggressive and have gotten significant takeaways. I am still worried about them giving up, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, like the chunk plays, like they can still let guys burn them. And we saw them continue to do that in a big way last week. Yeah. My thing is that, okay. So then if that happens, then it's a shootout. And I still, if you're the Cowboys, you still like your, your chances, because again, Atlanta's defense is exactly what you want to face if, if you're Dak Prescott. Atlanta's defense allows posing quarterbacks uh, right now. Their passer rating against is 104. That's I think there's only two teams worse than that. And they have not faced good quarterbacks either. Other than facing Tom Brady, like it is not a good group of quarterbacks that, that Atlanta's gone against. So you have that. They've allowed 17 passing touchdowns. Only Washington and Indy have allowed more than that. Um, and then you compare the two defenses – the Cowboys go from facing a Broncos defense that allowed a league low 50, 57% completion percentage. Atlanta allows 68%. And again, they're not going against any good court other than the Tom Brady. Well, hold on. Let me look up and see what Tom did against them. He threw five touchdowns against this team. Like this defense is not good. So by all means, if that happens and Kyle Pitts is outstanding and, and Patterson and, and, and I agree, Matt Ryan has still got tread left on that tire. But even if that is the case and you're at home, like, then yeah, okay, so then you win 35-28. There's still no excuse for you to lose this game. Yeah, and the, another thing is like so part of the way that, that Denver uh, beat you outside of you playing bad, a part of the way that Denver beat you is are things that I'm not necessarily sure that Atlanta can repeat. Like Atlanta's 29th in the league in rushing yards. Um, you know, giving up um, on defense, they're 24th in rushing yards against – you know, Denver is obviously better than that in both areas. And who knows what that game's like if you get a couple stops on the ground. You know, the fact that they weren't able to shut them down on the ground became a big problem as the game went on. So I think there's some things there that make you go, okay, they're not really capable of doing what Denver did or taking that exact same play style into this game. Obviously, another thing is they don't have much of a pass rush, which we were kind of saying about Denver at this time last week, though. You know, after the Von Miller trade and Bradley Chubb being hurt, but Denver still is able to string together better names at rushing the passer than Atlanta is. So there's a couple of things there that kind of make you go, are they even capable of doing this? The one thing I'll say, and I don't believe, as we talked about, I don't really believe in game to game momentum. Uh, I don't think I believe in game to game drags either, like anti momentum, but I do believe in little parts of the season where you're just not yourself. And that's my fear is that you've hit this one little phase in the season. And, you know, maybe it's maybe this is not all of it because you're about to have three games in 12 days, too. That's my fear, though, is the stretch in the season where you just had a lull. And I'd prefer to have it now than have it in December, to be frank with you. But that's that's my concern there is that it kind of hits you all at once. Like COVID. (laughs) Great, great analogy. Uh, I don't know if that's appropriate. Uh, Uh, No, the one thing that the one thing that this has opened my eyes to is the whole like. Maybe it's better that this team doesn't get the number one overall seed and have a bye. This is probably a team that needs to play every week because you lay it. We can go ahead and and have them. Let's say they get the number one seed and they're at 15 and two. Okay. They don't lose Mm -hmm. another game for the rest of the regular season. 
This Denver game is going to be in the back of my mind when they're sitting there on that bye before whoever they play in the divisional round. And let's not act like that the Dallas Cowboys haven't played like shit coming off of a bye in the postseason. Let's act like <laughs> that's never happened here. So maybe, just maybe, not getting the one seed might not be a bad thing. That was them. This is us, John. Right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess I feel like you're kind of chalking up this past performance, dare I say, do you think it's like mental errors? And and if that's the case, or if it's such a flub like that, would you be concerned about, like you said, KT, going into this weekend? Because, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's a fluke game, fluke game. And I'm like, okay, if I'm Dan Quinn, no matter if I am a former head coach, if I am just this badass DC and I've done this incredible feat and flipped this defense around, I still have to turn around and face my former team of like X amount of years. And I know there's former players on this team. Like, do you feel like there's any sort of mental aspect to this game that maybe is is a little bit of an undercurrent in terms of a storyline going into the weekend? Or is that just kind of, ah, it is what it is. It's part of the game. I personally don't think so. I think that this was a team that was like, we can even go into Minnesota in a primetime game with our backup quarterback and beat them. (laughs) Like, we'll just show up against Denver and we'll get the job done. And of course, they're never going to say that. They're not going to admit to that. But I can't, I'm not going to, I'm going with what I saw, what I watched, and and I think I said it. I said it to my brother for sure, but I I think I said it to somebody else. You know, the day after it was like it reminded me of like playing basketball against my younger brother in the backyard when I was like, yeah, I can kind of spot him a few points because whenever I want to turn it on, I can't. And all of a sudden, you know, he knocks down a couple of threes, and you're just like, whoa, I don't know, I don't know where this came from. Now I'm kind of in trouble. Now I I got to score nine points in a row. And then to do that, you start pressing. And they were clearly doing that. I don't think there's any better example than Dak rolling out on that third down and basically throwing a Hail Mary. I was like, what? Wait, are you? I don't I don't think that's going to win the game just doing that right there. Like, And and also, like it did look like CeeDee Lamb was probably open underneath. I don't know if he got a first down, but it was just like throwing it up there. I just felt like everybody was pressing a little bit to hit this big home run as opposed to, you know what? To get back on track, I know we're down three scores. We might have to put together a 12-play drive. So be it, you know, instead of trying to get everything at once. And then they started pressing like, whoa, okay, we got we to gotta, we gotta go now. I mean, this is, this is too late, you know. And then, obviously, you have that punt that <laughs> didn't go their way. And then I think that started feeding into that. We're like, man, this just isn't our day. But I find it just hard to believe. I'll be stunned if they, if they do the exact same thing against Atlanta. My concern there would be that they might be so concerned with we've got to get out there and get a lead because we don't want this to happen again and that they go out there and and uh, throw up some bad shots, John, to use your analogy. Yeah. And they don't no, play I, their game, you know. Yeah, it's possible. So but they I, go out there and three and out immediately. That's not, not, a great, not a great way to start things off. So I don't want and, them, and that, yeah, hey, that's totally I, possible, them to play Ken. a patient game and, and play their game and not, not worry about, oh, we've got to get out there and score 20 points so that – you know, we don't play from behind at all, any point in this game or anything. They got to play their game. Sure. And, and I know they probably aren't going to have Tyron Smith. Um, mm-hmm. And that hurts. It's not like they haven't won games without him. I looked it up after the game. Uh, Dak's nine and the Cowboys are nine and six in, in games Dak, Dak plays that Tyron doesn't. So it's not like it's just this, oh, well, Tyron's not playing. This is a loss. Like, it's not like that. And so, yeah, maybe early on there's, you know, they're pressing a little bit or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, 
look at the difference between these two teams. Like, even if you start out a little slow because you're pressing a little bit, like, there's still no excuse for that Dallas Cowboys team to to lose to that Falcons team. Because, like, I hate to buy into the hype with this team, but you should. Like, what they've done, like, winning it against the Chargers on the road, how well they played on the road against Tampa Bay, beating the Patriots on the road in overtime. The Patriots are, are a better team than what we thought at that time. Winning in Minnesota with your backup quarterback, like, you know, this team's for real, and I feel like so many people are just see that Denver game. They're like, see, I told you, we couldn't buy into this. No, you can buy into this. This team is really good. And so there shouldn't be an expectation that they're going to have back-to-back games like that. There's <laughs> that, no excuse for it. That was my favorite narrative I kept seeing. It's such like a national media thing where they're like, oh, well, Diggs is overhyped. And I'm like, okay, like you take one game where he obviously has some crappy plays. Like I'm not standing up for the man, right? But come on, like that's so ridiculous. That's such a cheap narrative. It's lazy. It's just lazy. They've been waiting. They've had that headline written for a couple <laughs> of weeks. They're just waiting. They really to, have. Waiting for him to mess up to be able to use it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. John, what about Tyron? I mean, what's the concern there long-term? Well, I was really surprised they didn't put him on that IR because at least with the IR, then you'd keep him out. He'd have to be out for at least three games. And so, like, they did it with Jarwin with the hip. And so I was like, oh, they'll probably do this with Tyron too. Cause I think this is going to be several weeks. And the fact that they didn't was really interesting to me. So, uh, apparently they believe that he has a shot of playing. Now, I don't think that they don't, I don't think they believe he can play this week, but the following week, I think they do. And so 
uh, that's why they wouldn't put him on IR, which kind of surprised me because it seems like the only thing they can do during the season with this ankle is just give him rest. And so that's what they're trying to do right now. But, you know, as we know, it's not like just about the ankle with Tyron. It's like then it's an elbow and a back and a neck and then a knee. And then, you know, it's just like it never I don't know. It just it always seems to be something. And so uh, you want him out there and you want him to be healthy for because here's the thing, like lose to Atlanta on Sunday, go ahead and lose to Kansas City, maybe even lose the week after that, four games in a row. I'm still picking them to win the NFC East. And if you win yeah. your division in the NFL, you get to go to the playoffs. And so if you get to go to the playoffs, you want Tyron Smith to be there for that. So um, this team, like this team has a chance. This team's good enough to win a Super Bowl. I don't think they can win a Super Bowl without Tyron Smith. Well, and that's and so the difference. That, that's, that's a big key there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off. But that's the difference. No, I think in the, in the in the whole mindset of the whole thing. In past years, we're talking about winning a division, making the playoffs. We're we're talking about now looking around at the Rams and the Packers and the Cardinals and really playing for a one seed. It's it, it's so much more than making the playoffs with this team because of what you've proven in the first half of the season than in years past. So that's where it's like it almost does feel like maybe a little more urgency to run Dak back out there or get Tyron back out there as soon as possible, maybe more so than in other years where you were running away at the division. It was just so clear, and and maybe opening night set the tone in Tampa Bay, but it's been so clear with how you've played that we have a team here that we can officially call a contender and not feel weird about it. There's a difference between being a contender in the NFC and being a contender in the NFC East, and that's where I kind of think there's more of a sense of urgency and and I, I'm, I, I, maybe it's not the right move. I guess is what I'm saying. As maybe it, you should be playing it more safe with these guys, and maybe Dak shouldn't have played last week, and maybe you wait till everyone's as 100 percent healthy as they can get. And I don't know if they're going to play it that way. And generally, I'm thinking about McCarthy's career. McCarthy does have a career of kind of being safe with players and trying to get them as healthy as possible before getting into the playoffs because he's got experience in taking a team to the playoffs every single year, something Garrett didn't have. So I, no, that's I one of his greatest strengths. There's no question absolutely. about that. That's one of his, that's one of his best strengths that he does protect his guys like that. Uh, I just wanted to jump in real quick because you mentioned the deck thing. I thought that that might've been a chance maybe a week ago. I think that they were cautious with him by not playing him in Minnesota. They could have played him there. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm, I'm also saying that is because I was really surprised today when the injury report came out and deck's name wasn't even on the injury report. So you know that, like, I don't know if you know the history of like the the Pats would put Tom Brady on the injury report over every little thing, you know. Yeah. And so Deck easily could have been on here, and it could have just said, you know, calf Wednesday participation full. I mean, there's got there's plenty of guys on here that are like that. J. Ron Curse shoulder full. C. D. Lamb ankle full. You know, like they could have done that but for him not even to be on there. They're clearly not limiting him at all. And and I could tell in that first series they weren't limiting him with the way he was moving around and some of the stuff he was doing. And and, and then on top of it, and this this would be the biggest play of all if there if he was still having lingering effects, is him running for that two point conversion when it abs- absolutely did not matter. Oh wow, did we get the score from thirty to fourteen to thirty to sixteen? Like completely unnecessary. So I do believe he is all the way back because of that game against Minnesota. That was the deal. Like it was told to Mike McCarthy by their training staff that Hey, if you give us like not have Dak go in this game, and so that would give him until next Wednesday to practice, he'll be almost a hundred percent by that Wednesday. And when when McCarthy heard that, he was all in. Fine, let's do that. So I do think he was being cautious with Dak. I I do think Dak is is 
all the way back. It just, he looked rusty in that game. So some people have concerns about the calf, but I don't think that's what it was. I think it's just the rust of not playing for two weeks. Can I ask you guys a question kind of along those lines of injuries and, and McCarthy preserving players? You made a comment that I, that I want to touch on in John in Tyron Smith. And you say, Hey, I think they can win the division, but like can make it to the big game. Like they don't do that without, you know, 77. Right. Well, he has become increasingly more and more inconsistent in terms of how often he's on the field. Right. But then looking at moving Terrence Steele over to left tackle last week, I mean, I'm up at the star doing my show twice a week and I, and I walked by some people that have a seat at these front office tables. And I asked him, I said, Hey, realistically speaking, when it stands right now, Lyle Collins to Terrence Steele, what's the drop off? And he said, we don't view it as that significant anymore. Do, you know, based on what you saw last week, do you agree with that? And would you, you know, are, should we be more concerned maybe than we are? Because I just, I feel like there's so much narrative. And I think this team is so proud of discovering Terrence Steele. We saw him last season, undrafted free agent out of Texas Tech. I mean, I said it last year. I really didn't think he was set up for success. He obviously did a lot of work in the offseason. Congrats to him. But making, you know, that transition to swing tackle, I don't think is as easy as we we think it is. So I just feel like there's a situation kind of on this team's hands that they have to really, truly be honest with themselves about, like, the pieces they're dealing with and what they can do for you capability-wise down the stretch. Yeah, I, w- I would say that's a little bit of wishful thinking um, to say that he's our, he's not that far away from Lyle Collins. I think Lyle Collins is certainly a better player. Uh, than Terrence Steele right now. But I do know that the team feels like Terrence Steele is here for, for the long haul. Like he's a part of the future, like that they really trust in what he can be. Uh, and maybe he is their left tackle of the future down the line. Maybe he spends this entire offseason working at left tackle because they're like, hey, we have Lyle back and whatever. The problem you run into there is that there, Lyle hasn't been available enough. And so my answer to all of this is that you know, you never should force what you're doing in the draft, but wherever they draft in the first round, if there's an offensive tackle there, just because you have Lyle Collins and Terrence Steele and Tyron Smith, oh, they're going you should it. not, you should not hesitate to t- hesitate to take that offensive tackle there. I mean, and not to say that they were, I mean, I mean, they could, they could have done it this year too, but obviously it was better off that they addressed the defense with Micah Parsons, but that, that has to be something on their radar because, um, you know, there's just so much investment on this offense that you need to protect Dak and and keep him as healthy as possible. And I don't know how you do that when you have a constant question at left tackle. So um, that's the best way to address it. You're not going out and signing somebody in free agency. I think the best thing that Terrence Steele brings is the fact that it 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 should end the days of okay, a new veteran swing tackle on a one year deal. You know, and it gives you a guy that you're like, no, we feel good that this guy can come in and play either position. And then I'll also bring a rookie along uh, behind them that can help out as well. But let's be honest, you know, we're focused on this because we follow the Cowboys, but what we're talking about right here, there isn't one of, of the other 31 other teams that are like, Oh yeah, that sucks to be you guys. We got like six of these guys here. Like no one really even has three, let alone probably not even two good offensive tackles. So, I mean, this isn't, this is an NFL thing too that there just isn't a lot of quality tackle play. It's it's why like comfort is very important though at that position. Outside of quarterback, I think it's an offensive tackle or offensive line. Being comfortable is more important, and I think the sides thing does matter though. Terrence still at right tackle is better than Terrence still at left tackle. How would Lyle have been if you moved him? That, that's a I don't know. Like how comfortable would he have been? 
the sheer numbers of giving up 12 pressures in one week compared to 11 the whole year <laughs> tell yeah. you that Terrence still, quite frankly, is very clearly a right tackle. I remember coming when we were watching his tape, coming out of college, and I was like, hey, he's a right tackle type. He'll play like right tackle. And I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter, but maybe it does for some people. Um, there's a reason Zach Martin doesn't want to go out and play right tackle and likes playing right guard because he's comfortable there. If you're comfortable there, it's a lot easier. Um, but I, oh, you Zach, know, I, I Zach think, doesn't want to play. Zach doesn't want to play right tackle, left tackle, left guard, or center. He wants to play right guard. Right guard, yeah. <laughs> and I don't blame him. And he deserves to to do that unless it's hurting the team. Him not doing that. But I think I think Lyle Collins will be better this week too. Um, because I don't think he was great last week. I think he was okay. Um, you know, looking at it, Dak did have a lot of time to throw, but he was pressured a lot too. It's kind of, kind of uh, interesting when you look at it, but like one thing that I know is if, if Terrence Steele is your bandaid for three weeks for Tyron, that's fine. Given how he played in the first eight or nine weeks of the season, you'd do far worse. Uh, I am worried. I, my thing is, is, if they think Terrence Steele is a better player than Ty Naseki overall, that's fine. But is Terrence Steele a better player than Ty Naseki at left tackle specifically? Right. And they need to figure that out because I don't know. I don't know the answer there. I, well, I, is, I is Lyle Collins an option there? Because, like, I mean, again, I know it's college versus pro, but he did play left tackle in college. Yeah. So is that worth a look? Especially, again, like you mentioned, that's a pretty startling stat to see what he gave up in one game as compared to what he's done in terms of the entire season. But Connor Williams played left tackle too, though. And that's where I'm like, where's Connor McGovern figure into the team's plans ever? Uh, I know like that, that's like an, an interesting piece that we never talk about unless we're having fun with jumbo packages. Where's Connor McGovern? <laughs> really, they got, they got some offers for him seen. at the deadline and they were like, no, no thanks. But yeah, you're right. What is the plan then? I would do this. Yeah. And where was the jumbo package against Denver? You want to talk about why they lost? They got behind. They got behind. This is yeah, the whole lost, thing, too. And they lost their identity. You can I'm flip hated. a coin. You can flip a coin or you can play the prediction game, pass or run. And when it was 13 nothing, it was very clear. The Cowboys are going to give up on the run game. And they're going to pass and get back in this thing. With Denver, you didn't really know. It's never going to – Denver started getting a little success in the passing game after they were running and things like that. And that's a good thing to, to take it back to the Falcons for a second. Here's what the Falcons do. They suck at running the football. They're so bad at it, they don't even try it anymore. We're going to throw it a million <laughs> times. That's what we do. Mike Davis is terrible. Uh, I mean, they use a wide receiver as their running back most of the time because they're so bad at running the football. So if that makes things easier for the defense. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to pass a lot. Which is funny the- because they, you know, because of moving on from Julio Jones in the offseason. Yeah, go get the... You know, Matt Ryan looks like Eli Manning to me now. Like, kind of a big neck. It kind of just stands back there. He's going to get sacked a lot. And the arm's not as strong as it used to be. But still good enough to, like, hurt you and, like, break your heart on third and 12 a few times. Probably going to throw an interception. Again, the neck thing. Huge neck. Always, <laughs> always like, always felt bad for him. I'm like, man, his vertebrae's like, oh, ah, it's going to be bad. Like, he can't be healthy, right? I appreciate the two things that you look at when you're watching a game. Like, yeah, what's going on in that mind of yours? <laughs> That's why we love KT. It's that mind of his. It's a huge <laughs> neck. That's all. I just I imagine you in these like like the Cowboys hire you and you're you're an indie for these combine things and you know they're all going over like ball placement and and uh, hand size and stuff with these quarterbacks and like Wonderlic scored and you're like give me the measurement on the neck I'll tell you how long he'll play in the league. <laughs> 
And Kevin's Check like, all it's like, he's like, that's a thick ass neck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a first round neck right there. Um, Sometimes you got to go with the old eye test, you know. Hey, to answer your question real quick, sorry to get serious for a second. Um, Gosh, John. I would say I would say that the uh, when you asked about Ty Naseki, if they needed thirty snaps of him at left tackle, they would go with Ty Naseki. Okay. I don't think they feel good about fifty. 60 snaps, a whole game of him there. So that's where they like him better as a swing tackle as opposed to, hey, this is, you're going to play the entire game there. I think they feel better with Terrence Steele. That's why you've, you've seen him out there. But I'm telling you, they like Terrence Steele a lot. I do and, too. and to Kelsey's point, I'm, I'm sure people said that they think it's close. I personally don't. I think you got to do a lot more than what he has up to this point because um, I think that Lyle Collins is like a Pro Bowl player if he's, you know, if he's – got his mind right and he's healthy and he plays 16 games, 17 games. But, uh, the hope is that, yeah, Terrence Steele eventually gets that. I just don't, I, I it's a lot to but say that he's already there. How much is that? If, if we're really looking at this as you all have covered this team for a while and I love this team, but how much of that is ego from, you know, a perspective of like, well, we discovered this guy, you know, and look what we did with him again. Like, look how far he's come. Like, are they overcompensating? Are they are they giving him a little much too much credit maybe than he deserves? Like, yes, of course, it's impressive that compared to last year. I'm again, we can go through all the stats as long as we want. But are, are we sure they're not giving him too much credit that he deserves at this point? Because, again, you just said that's a strong statement. I, I'm so with you on that, Kelsey. I'm sorry, John. I know you want to go. I'm no, so no, with you on that. And and, and it, it, I would feel differently if it was Von Miller or Bradley Chubb last week. It was Stephen Weatherly. You know, it was it was guys like that who were getting there, and you're like, okay, hold on. Um, but but and it was pretty obvious that it was coming from that side every time. Yeah. Uh, and that's where my issue is. And again, I'm a big believer, and I say this almost every episode that Terrence still was so wronged last year by Cowboys fans. I've said so many times, I thought he was so wronged, right? He was always a a developmental guy. He was a guy that was invited to the Senior Bowl because he had high upside and they wanted him to work on his skills there. Like he was a guy that might not necessarily, he was always like a late round guy or a guy who might be undrafted. He was always that, but there was so much potential on what they could morph his body into because the athletic traits were there and the length was there and things like that. And that's where I always kind of go like, Maybe Tynaseki should just play the left side and Terrence still should just play the right side. And you know what? What John said about 30 snaps? Guess what? We can make that call at halftime and do one of the things John hates. Halftime adjustments. He doesn't believe they exist. They do this Sunday. By halftime on Sunday, we're going to know how well uh, Terrence still has done at left tackle. And that'll be, uh, we'll decide if we make a move or not. I was about to take my ex-boyfriend and have him halftime adjust all those helmets to remove the red stripe off. Because honestly, (laughs) if we really want to give some analysis on what happened, it was the red stripe. They just screwed up everything. Way to go for being patriotic, guys. Yeah, seriously. Look where it got you. Jeez. That's a hot take, Kelsey. Kelsey, we need your pick uh, before you have to leave. Oh. We need we need two picks. We need your game pick, and then we need your Thanksgiving halftime show. Oh yeah, Red Kettle kickoff performance pick. Oh well, I can't give you my Thanksgiving because I I might have some insight into that. Idea. Oh dang it! <laughs> I told you it's the baby. <laughs> oh, that would oh my goodness! It's definitely I'm not the baby. Hands off that one. Um, I'm definitely going to pick the Cowboys this weekend. I think they bounce back. I think that they're going to give up more points than maybe this uh, fan base would like or would expect. Um, but I do think that they are going to come away with the win at the end of the game. Score? Ah. I write them down. Just 
Um, what, like, what's, let's see here. Uh, can I go 33, 27? You can. I will give you that. Thank you so um, much. I've got Cowboys 28, 20. If Zerline plays Cowboys 31, 20. If Zerline does not play 28-20, we never see Hararuja. I like is. that. Uh, you know, you, you had it. You nailed it. Um, I'm going to go 35-20. The last time I checked, Vegas' uh, over-under was at 55, and I think that's perfect. So, yeah, 35-20. Oh, love that. Cowboys, by the way. Kent? I don't know if I said that. Mm-hmm. All right. Cowboys, Falcons. Let's go Cowboys, 51. Falcons. Whoa. 15 little symmetry. Mm. I like what you've done there. Wow. Yes. Is that a score? Gami can't, is that why you picked that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> probably. How do you get to 51? Now that's some, they'll find a way. Okay. 51, <laughs> 50, 51. Wait, that's a, that's a, that's a problem for another podcast. I can tell you with full figure it out, John. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing it. He's like, he is. <laughs> I think I think you get there with what? Uh, so you need seriously. three field goals, seven touchdowns, and a safety. Okay. Or, or six touchdowns and three it, field goals. That's there. Cool. You go. I knew it was. I knew you didn't need the safety in there. I thought. I thought it fit, worked out there. No, we want the safety. Okay. Number higher than twenty-five. I can't calculate it. That's where my my cutoff is. That, that okay. is scoregami. Let's I like go. It. I like that. Speaking of existence. Maybe some weird stuff will happen. It's another noon game. It'll, I sense some weird stuff. It yeah. is. We have a 51-13, a 51-14, a 51-16, and a 51-17, but we do not have a 51-15. So five field, go- field goals from Young Way Koo. And, uh, that's not, I don't think that's how you pronounce it. I'm just joking. Don't even, don't even say anything. Um, John? Don't. I'm a uh, Kelsey, how do you put up with David Hellman on a show for an entire season? Yeah, how's he doing? Uh, I don't. Up. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you. It's um, he's a bit of an Eeyore, so it's a matter of like dragging him to the studio and getting. He him. is Eeyore. That is a good comp. Thank you so much. It's true. It's very true. I'm like, oh, really? Like, are you just gonna sit here and like? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, amazing. So lots of uppers. Am I allowed to say that on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. well, you did. You're kind of a tigger. There. You're very. <laughs> I am. Yeah, like tigger, tigger, and Eeyore. Yeah, that's it's a good, a good that's balance. A good it's a good, good balance. balance for yes. sure. <laughs> who's who's Winnie the Pooh? Um, Anybody our, at the star? Our producer Kent. <laughs> I am not. No, I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not a. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I would say Broadus is Broadus is a. Oh, Broadus Broadus is Broadus. He's a very one. very lovable lovable human. That is a good one. That's good. Yeah. Is, what is Winnie the Pooh's characteristics? Is he positive? Yeah. Just very. I mean, he's optimistic. Very optimistic. Kind of, like, oh, I don't know if that's Brian. I think, yeah. Brian, I think Brian's more of a rabbit. I think Brian's a very, very, like, <laughs> comforting presence. That's why yes, I would say that. That's true. Yes. Who's Christopher Robin, though? Oh, <laughs> Brian is the owl. Duh. Oh, that's good. Duh. 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 <laughs> what, what, what are we is, doing uh, this? Why are, why are we doing a media Winnie the Pooh comparison? Man, we're probably sure we are in the pod. If you don't think to actually, like, think about this and just tweet it out later, then you're dead wrong. Because now, <laughs> now I'm committed to the cause. We're probably offended the woke mob, and they're going to put us in our yeah. We did we'll probably cross the line somewhere. <laughs> Thanks for taking Thanks. Your t- the time, Kelsey. We know you got to bounce and yeah, do, other, do other things with your time, of course. But. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, I'll see you guys next time. Bye, Kelsey. Right. Thank see you. Ya.
Um, there she goes. And there goes uh, us as well. We'll talk to you Sunday night. We have Cowboys Falcons on Sunday. Should be an interesting day in the NFC. Looking forward to a big day on Sunday. And we'll talk to you on Sunday night or Monday morning as you listen to the podcast with the best. Because John Mishota will be there at the game covering it as he always do. Uh, for our producer, Kent Garrison. For our special guest this week, Kelsey Charles. For Father John Mishota, I'm Kevin K.T. Turner. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of About Them Cowboys. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.